good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, good time. Lots of food, too much food, anyone? No, you were very disciplined, weren't you? I can see by the look of guilt on your faces. A few movies, anyone watch a few movies? Yeah, you know, there's basically just theme, the major movies, have, they've all got the same few themes, really. Uh, I mean, one theme is freedom. You know, someone's captive, someone needs to be set free. Freedom is a major theme. Braveheart, big movie years ago. Wouldn't recommend, not a family movie. Um, but there's a scene, William Wallace is crying for freedom from Scotland. He's being martyred at the end, and he cries out, freedom! And even if you're not fussed about independence for Scotland, which they're still fighting for, and some of you are, some of you aren't. But even if you're not, there was something resonated in our hearts because we all want freedom, yes? We don't want to be constrained. We don't want to be constricted. We want religious freedom. We want financial freedom. We want freedom. That's what we want. That's what we are crying out for. And the world says freedom is what you want. You want to be free. And that's why people jettison responsibility. You know, if, you, if you're leading in the church, well done. So few people will step up and lead because we don't want the shackles of responsibility, do we? Anyone? We want freedom. Another major theme we found out from this Christmas, Caroline's favorite movie of Christmas is not Die Hard. It's, it's, it's the holiday. Favorite Christmas movie. Yay. Why? The major theme is love. We just want to love, if we just had more love for one another, if we love one another, the world would be a better place. So the world says, you want freedom, but you also want love. Have you ever thought about this, though? This is a very profound thought for January the 7th, a bit too early in the year, probably. But you ever thought about this, that love and freedom are fundamentally in tension? Ooh. Braveheart versus the holiday. Love and freedom are fundamentally in tension. The world says you have all the freedom you want and have all the love you want, but it's never really thought through the, the reality that love and freedom fundamentally are intention. If, I, if I'm not free, I can't love. I can't control you into loving me. Anyone tried that? Didn't work, does it? <laughs> you can't control people into loving you. If I have to be free in order to love, but at the same time, as soon as I do love you, my freedom is automatically limited. Because love is not this warm, fuzzy feeling. That's why so many marriages break down. Because they went in with a thing of, well, love is just how I feel. No, no, no. Love means sacrifice. It means commitment. It means service. It means what? It means limiting my freedom. Ooh, this is deep, isn't it? This is deep. <laughs> love and freedom are in tension with one another. If I love my family, I will have to what? Sacrifice for my family. Which means what? Limiting my freedom. If I love my nation, I might even have to lay my life, life down for my nation, which many have done. Love and freedom are intention. The world says, you want more love, we want freedom, you can have it all. And it's not really thought through the consequences of that reality. And so what, what happens? People have to lay down one for the other. What are they doing at the moment? They're laying down love. That's why there's what? A loneliness epidemic. Because people are laying down love for ultimate freedom. Relationships are breaking down, move from one to the next, don't need it, moving on, moving on, keeping going. Don't want all that limitation, don't want all that sacrifice, I just want my freedom. And what do you end up with? A society that is completely fractured and horribly, bitterly, more connected than ever, more lonely than ever. Because <laughs> we've laid down love for the sake of freedom. And I've sat with many people as they've been dying and 
No one wants another day in the office. No one wants to earn more money. No one wants another selfie in front of a waterfall. Why? Because life is about relationships, isn't it? It's about the people around you that you love. So should we abandon freedom and just have love? Just go for love? Well, the trouble with that is there's this inherent desire for freedom. I was chatting with one young man, desperately wanted a girlfriend, got a girlfriend, and then he was moaning, yeah, but I've got to change my lifestyle. Oof. It's not just romantic relationships, it's about all relationships. Anyone here, you have a trouble saying no to people? Anyone, just, you know, January 7th, just honest, raise a hand, you have trouble. I'm clocking you because I'm going to ask you for money later. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I would encourage you this year, just, start, just try saying no to a few people. Just say no to a few. I used to have a friend, I realized after a while that I had to, just sometimes, I just had to say no to him because I had to say no. Because if I said no to him, something would go off on him and he would do, try and do everything he could to get me to say yes, to change my... Anyone had a friend like that? They were just trying... And then after a while, for this relationship to stay healthy, I've just got to say no every now and again. Even just if I don't want to say no, I'm just going to say no. So I would every now and again. I'd just say no for no other reason than I need to keep this relationship healthy. You need to know that love and freedom are intention. How do we live in this world where we want freedom and we need love? How do we live in this tension? The world has got no solution. It just says, have it all. But we realize you can't have it all. That's why I love the Bible. That's why I love God's word because it is the blueprint for our lives. And before we've even thought of the question, it's already thought about it and got the answers. Who knew God's thought about it? <laughs> he has thought about it. And that's what we're looking at today. Love and freedom and how we can live in this world where there is this tension. This is what Paul writes. We'll explain some of this as we go. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So, therefore, stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, this is the Apostle Paul writing, one of the earliest leaders of the church, say to you that you, if you accept circumcision, we'll explain this in a bit, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to you. Every man who accepts circumcision, he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who will be justified by the law, you've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Next slide, if you would. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Have confidence in the Lord. I have confidence in the Lord that you'll have no other view. And the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Strong, strong words. You are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we're continuing this series on the book of Galatians. Paul, one of the early leaders, had planted these churches in Galatia, which is in Turkey, near Ankara. And he planted these churches, he started them, he led people to Jesus, and the message that God has forgiven you, Jesus has saved you, you can come into his kingdom Wow, they loved it, they received it, Paul goes away, other people then come in. And they start saying, hey, it's great that you've received Christ, but listen, you need, Jesus was a Jew, you need to follow all the Jewish laws. So there's other Jewish laws, and particularly one thing that they were, were set on was, the guys, you need to be circumcised. 
Now, circumcision was not popular in other nations. Obvious reasons. Keep sharp, op- keep sharp implements away. That's my motto, especially down there. Circumcision was not popular in other nations, but for the Jews, it was the thing that defined them as a nation. All the men were circumcised, and they were like, look, if you want to be God's people, you need not only Jesus, you need Jesus and this other stuff, all these other laws. And so that's what Paul is battling against, and that's what he's writing against. And let's look through this passage, and we'll understand it together. So for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit to a a yoke of slavery. Here's the first point. Christ wants your freedom more than you do. Amen? Is that good news? He wants you to be free. In fact, one translation says, with a view to enjoying freedom, Christ set us free. Are you enjoying your freedom? He wants you to be free more than you do. You want freedom? Paul says Christ wants it. In fact, he died so that you can be free, totally free. He wants you to be free. I sat with a guy one time who we were talking about, you know, uh, did he believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe the Bible? Yeah, I believe in the Bible. Why are you not a Christian then? He's like, well, because I want to have my fun first. He's like, I want to have a bit of fun. I'm not sure what fun he was talking about. I can guess. I'm not sure what fun he was talking about. I want to have my fun first. And he said, then I'll become a Christian. He'd fundamentally misunderstood. He thought God was some cosmic killjoy and that he could have more fun outside of God's plan than inside God's plan. Fundamental error that God doesn't really want you to enjoy yourself. No, Paul says God wants you to enjoy your freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Could not be further from the truth. God is not a cosmic killjoy, as we'll see. But what kind of freedom is Paul talking about? He's talking about a yoke of slavery or under religious duty. That's what people had been under because sin has broken our relationship with God. That's the message of the Bible. It's broken our relationship with God. And so mankind is desperately straining to get back to God, to know God, to have influence with God, to have communion with God. We know deep down there's something missing. Anyone know that? There's a hole in the human heart and that hole can only be filled with God and we're born knowing that and so we strive and do and mankind for millennia is doing religious duties trying to earn God's favor sacrifices even sacrificing their own children to earn God's favor and get some influence with him so that he will bless them and Paul says that's all over that religious yoke is over because of what because of the grace of God he has sent Christ to you for freedom. Christ has set us free. Jesus has done the work. God is pleased with you. God has given you his favor. He delights over you. When you wake up every morning, his mercy is new every morning. Do you wake up with that thought? No matter what your day was like yesterday, God's mercy is new on you every morning. Wow. That's the grace of God. I love it when people get it. I, was pray, I love a story from years ago. A lady was praying for another lady at a conference and she was praying, God loves you. His grace is on you. And then suddenly a song came on and suddenly she was like, whoa, God loves me. She's like, he's pleased with me. She's like, forget about you. He loves me. <laughs> we had to get someone else to pray for the other lady. Because son, why? Because it went from her head to her heart. She got a revelation. She got a revelation in her heart of the love and the grace and the mercy of God. She got a breakthrough. But hang on a minute, you might be thinking, it's kind of not the freedom I was thinking about. I mean, my big question is really, can I just do my own thing? 
That's kind of, in, honest, let's be honest, we just want to do our own thing. Anyone? We just want God to approve of whatever we want to do. Any, hands, who wants to vote for that? We're just like, God, I just want to do, that's the freedom I want. I just want to do whatever I want to do. Is that okay? Is, which is it? Well, the answer to that question of can you do whatever you want is yes and no. <laughs> Stay with me and I will explain why it is yes and no. Hopefully you will understand. So Paul writes on and he says, this, is, this religious duty that you've all, we've all been under is over. Because why? Because God has sent Christ and he's done it as a free gift. And this is what he says. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. I testify again to you that every man who accepts circumcision, he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You will be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. So people are saying to the Galatians, look, you don't just need Jesus. You need Jesus plus. You need Jesus plus religious duties and obligations and particularly circumcision. You need this other stuff. And Paul's saying, if you take that other stuff, you can't do Jesus. It's either or. You can't do Jesus plus anything else. It's one or the other. Imagine, you know, Christmas, you've given all the presents, kids, friends, family, whatever. You've given all the presents out. Everyone's had a great time. Opening, hey, opening presents, lovely. And then you've had a big lunch, like, oh, stuff. And then you're like, okay, let's put a coat on. Everyone's thinking, oh, no, it's a family walk. Who wants to do that? Just going to sit here. You're like, no, 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 we're not going to walk. We're going to work. Work? What do you mean? Well, you've got to come to work with me. What do you mean? It's Christmas Day. Well, you've got to earn the money to pay for the presents that I've just given you. Who would, how would that have gone down in your family? That's what Paul's saying. He said, you can't have a gift and have grace. Uh, sorry, you can't have a gift and have earning. You can't have both. It's either grace or it's earning. You either, if you're going to fulfill the law, then fulfill the whole law. You've either got to fulfill the whole law, or you've got to, good luck with that, because there's a lot of them, or you've got to receive the grace of God. Who wants the grace of God? <laughs> so Paul's saying, listen, think about it logically. You can't, have, you can't have Jesus plus. No one can add anything to Jesus. You've got to have Jesus only. I mean, think about this. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Right? And you're full in. You're all in. You're like, you listen to Andy, you listen to Shirley, you're, like, you're all in. Listen to Katie, you're all in. You're like, yeah, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm turning up to all the meetings, family prayer, I'm coming. Yeah, you're all in. Compare that to someone who's like, yeah, I just can't be bothered. It's January. I'm hungry. I want to eat. Prayer's boring. At the end of 21 days, who has got more favor with God? You or the other person? Ooh, that's a deep... So you're like, that's a trick question, isn't it? See, there, anything that you answer to that question, that's your plus. That's your religious duty that you have added to Jesus. And we all add all sorts of stuff. We all add all sorts of stuff and make it Jesus plus. But the truth is this, that independent of our performance, if we've accepted Christ, then that's enough. We have got enough in Jesus. And when I add things to what Christ has done, Paul says this, he says, you have slipped from the level of grace. You've slipped down. You know, in the Old Testament, they had the Ark of the Covenant that God ordered them to create, golden box, Indiana Jones, got a picture of it on the screen. 
And uh, anyone seen Indiana yet? It's looking for the ark, still looking for it. (laughs) And God said, create it and put into it the law. And, And above the law, put this lid called the mercy seat. And he said, listen, I'll meet you at the level of the mercy seat. It was a brilliant picture. When you come to God, are you trying to meet him at the level of the law? In which case, good luck with that. There's a lot of them. Or are you coming at the level of the mercy seat? And Paul says, don't slip back from the level of the mercy seat. Don't slip back to the law because you need just Jesus and Jesus only. You need to meet him at the mercy seat. What are you adding to Jesus? What are we adding to Jesus? They were trying to add circumcision, but we can add all sorts of religious duties. And grace, it doesn't mean to say, does that, you might think, well, does that mean we don't do anything? No, no, no. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. That's the point. It's opposed to earning. I was talking to someone a, uh, a few months ago, and there's someone like, Simon, I just don't get you. I was like, you know, join the, join the crowd. There's a lot, a lot of people. He's like, no, particularly, he's like, when it comes to giving, he's like, all the churches I've been to, he's like, the pastors, you know, I'm in sales, he said, and they will use every sales technique, every manipulation technique to get us to give. And he said, when it comes to King's Arms and you've got a major gift day and you're like, yeah, if you don't want to give, don't give. He's like, it blew me away. He said, I wanted to give more. He's like, is it some kind of mind game? (laughs) And I was like, no, it's because of the grace of God. You see, this is it. Once we've understood the grace of God, then suddenly we're free from religious duty. If you don't want to give, don't give. But I always ask the question, but ask yourself, why don't I want to give? Because if you've really understood the grace of God, then you want to give. You're not not compelled to give, but you're compelled not by someone outside, not by me or anybody else. You're compelled by what? By the grace on the inside. You're like, everything I've received is from God. I want to give something. If you you don't want to serve in this church, don't serve. But ask yourself, why don't I want to serve? If you don't want to pray, don't pray. If you don't want to read the Bible, don't read the Bible. This is like shocking. This is a church. But ask yourself, why don't you want to? Because that question is where discipleship really happens. Get in community where you can be genuinely honest. Some of you, the big breakthrough this prayer and fasting, 21 days, will be honestly saying to someone, I don't want to fast. I don't want to fast. Help me. (laughs) And really get into the heart of why you don't want to fast. Because religious duty will take you so far, grace will take you far farther. When you've really understood the grace of God, it will propel you to sacrifice more, to obey more, to go longer, to go harder. Why? Because you're doing it not by your power, but by the spirit that's in you. It's God's grace that transforms us. And Paul says, this this freedom produces a rock-solid hope. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Hope in the English is a very weak word. I hope it didn't rain. Good luck with that. (laughs) I hope my team doesn't get relegated. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. It's a weak word, isn't it? Why? It's based on something that may or may not happen in the future. But when you read hope in the Bible, hope in the Bible is a rock-solid word. This is what it says in, uh, in Hebrews. Hebrews 6, we have the sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. 
Notice that. Our hope is a sure and certain hope. It's an anchor to the soul. Why? Because of something that will happen in the future? Because of something that's happened in the past. Christ has already gone. He has already gone before us. He's already died and rose again. He is our hope. It's already happened. It's like hoping that your team wins, doesn't get relegated when they've already won the premiership. <laughs> they've already won. He's already won. He's already done it. It's, our hope is sure and certain. This kind of grace, it, it, because it's not based on what you will do, is absolutely rock solid. Absolutely rock solid. That's how you tell if someone's got a firm foundation of what it means to be a Christian. I was chatting to a guy one time, lovely guy, really nice guy. I wasn't sure if he was a Christian or not. Couldn't really tell by his... So I just asked him this question. I said, if you were standing before the gates of heaven and wanted to get in, what would you say? And he's like, oh, I've never thought about it. So I'd probably say... I've lived a good life. And then he went on. As soon as he said that, I was like, okay, he's not a Christian. How did I know? Because anyone who's a Christian understands it's not based on what I've done. If it's based on what I've done, I'm sunk. I'm finished. It has to be based on what Christ has done. The only valid answer when you're in that place is it's because of the mercy of God as shown in what Jesus has done. That's the only answer. Does that mean that we shouldn't do good works? No, absolutely. It means we should. But why? Not to earn anything, but because we want to, because of what Christ has done. It's our response to him. And so I gave him the gospel because he'd never heard it. Clearly, he'd never really understood it. And Paul, and we won't read this passage, part of the passage again. Paul then goes on to say, you've got to guard your freedom. Here's the point. He even uses strong words. He said, these people who want you to be circumcised, I hope they emasculate themselves, which is quite painful, I'd imagine. Why is he so strong? Because this is a big deal. Because once you've understood the grace of God, once you've really got the love of God and the fact that God's favor and pleasure, that you are a child of God, that he's accepted you into your family, once you've really got it, the enemy will try and rob it from you. Why? Because it's so powerful. Because it produces fruit, it produces life, it produces hope. It's the hope of the world. This gospel, not based on our performance, but based on what Christ has done. That is the hope of the world. It's the one truth that will transform the world. And the enemy will try and rob it. And he'll use any book, anything on the internet. Here's a great discernment question. Is what I'm listening to or reading producing duty or producing delight? That's a great discernment question. Because if it's producing duty, then it will produce fruitlessness. But if it's producing delight, if it, wants you to, if it makes you fall more in love with Jesus and more amazed at what he's done for you, then it will produce fruit. It's not that things shouldn't be challenging. Things should be challenging. They should challenge our behavior, but it's how they challenge that's important. You'll notice as you read through the New Testament when Paul's writing, he challenges the Corinthians to stop sleeping with prostitutes. Stop sleeping with prostitutes. But listen, look at how he does it. He doesn't say, because you shouldn't. He says, because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because of what Christ has done in you. It's not compatible with who you now. He appeals to their identity. He appeals to what God has already done in them. And therefore, your behavior should change. Not because you're trying to earn God's favor. Because you already have his favor. Because he's already pleased with you. Because you're a child of God. That's why you should change. And that should be the basis of how we help one another, how we parent, how we love one another. We've got to discern, Paul says, because once you get this, and if you get it, it will change your life. Because every day you'll, work up, you'll wake up, his mercy is new for me. And the enemy will be like, you had a terrible day, yes, it was your worst day of your life. But his mercy is new. <laughs> I'm not living because of what I've done. I will make mistakes, I will mess up, I'll have terrible days. And yet his mercy 
is new every morning. His grace is sufficient. I don't need anything else. I hope by the grace of God I have a better day today, but Christ is enough for me. He is my anchor. He is my sure hope for my soul. And so then Paul finishes and says this, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Look, we came back to where we started. I love a circular walk. I hate those walks where we go out and come back the same route. I love a circular walk. We've had a circular walk and we've come back to the start, which is the question we asked. Can we just do what we want? And the answer is yes. When your heart has been transformed by the love of God, then all you're going to want to do is love God, love one another and love yourself. And then you can do whatever you want because your want has been transformed. This is the thing. This is the only way that love and freedom work together, actually. The world says, more love, get as much love and get as much freedom as you want and never answers the question of how those work together. God's thought about it. And he's like, I want to create a free people who are totally free. It's for freedom that Christ, I want them to enjoy that freedom. How's that going to work? When their hearts are corrupted by sin and selfishness. If you give people like that total freedom, what happens? They just tear each other apart as they claw and grab what they want. The only way to create a society, to create humanity that is totally free is by how? Transforming their hearts. This is what it says in Ezekiel 36, the prophet Ezekiel. I will give them a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you'll be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. The only way that God can set us totally free to do whatever we want is by transforming our hearts. And when your heart is transformed, you can do whatever you want because all that will flow out of you will be love perfectly. And at the moment, we follow the Spirit, we try and do our best, but one day you will be transformed and all that will come out of you will be perfect love if you follow Christ. Sin pretends to offer us freedom but ends in slavery. Love looks like slavery but ends in freedom. That's the irony. Love feels so constraining, but actually we end up totally free and totally the best version of ourselves that ever could be. It's the only sustainable way. This is not, Christianity is not just some good idea. It's a revolution. It's a way to change the planet. It's a way that God intends to see all of humanity transformed. When we step into eternity with a perfect heaven and earth, there's not going to be some list of laws for you to, you know, like some of those you know, websites you sign up or groups you join, they've got all those things, you do this and don't do that, and it's like pages, and you, know, you never read it, do you just skim, 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 just where's the box where I stick to say that I've read it, which I haven't. Anyone? <laughs> get to the point, except, press that except, I just want to get to the point. You think when you get to heaven, there's going to be like this million things, like, oh, I've taken half of eternity to read the thing, flipping out, you know, <laughs> don't do this, don't walk on the grass, you know, goodness me, get to the end of it. Oh, is that what it's going to be like? No, no, no. In heaven, there is no law. Why? 
Because in eternity, God has transformed every single person to perfectly fulfill the law, to perfectly love one another, to perfectly give to one another, to perfectly love God, love others, and love themselves. There is no need for a law. Why? Because you perfectly fulfill it. Wow. That's God's plan. That's his destiny for each one of us. And we live in this imperfect place where the only way to walk towards that, Paul says, is to follow the Spirit. Because he knows and he guides and he leads. God's promise for you is total freedom. But the only way he can give it to you is by changing you from the inside out. And that's what he's going to do. And that's what he's done in Christ. So we've covered a lot. We've been on a circular walk. We got back to the beginning. Can you do whatever you want? Absolutely. Be transformed by Jesus and do what you want. Be free. Ask yourself these questions. Just put them on the screen if you would. Do you believe that God wants your freedom more than you do? Is he this cosmic killjoy or does he want you to be free? Have you received the grace of God and stopped trying to earn? Or what are you adding? Is it enough or is it Jesus plus? Is your hope weak, like the English word hope, or is it rock solid because of what Christ has done? And are you by the Spirit walking in freedom to love? That's the kind of freedom he wants us to walk in. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor maybe and just take one of those questions and, or anything else that stood out to you. What did the Lord speak to you? Just take a moment to reflect together. Pick one of those questions or anything else that stood out to you and then we're going to pray together to land. watching online have a think about those questions we're going to pray in a second why don't we stand together show as we come in for a close just take a moment to pray I'm going to get you to pray for each other in a second but let's just stand if there's the teams could get the gospel packs ready if there's anyone here you've not yet um, responded to Christ perhaps this is the first time you've ever heard this gospel of grace why don't you just pray with me Jesus I choose to follow you today Jesus, I accept what you have done for me on the cross. I 
accept that you have washed me clean and that you have wanted to set me free free to love thank you Jesus fill me with your spirit and lead me in your ways in your mighty name if you prayed that prayer for the first time to give your life to Christ, why don't you just raise your hand? Thank you, Father. It's wherever you are, just raise it high so I can see you. Thank you, God, that you're working in our hearts. And I just pray, Lord, for each one of us that we would, as we begin this new year, step into the grace of God. That we would step out of duty and into delight. That you would cause us to follow you pray that you would transform us in this 21 days of prayer and fasting to get right to the heart such that we are responding to you out of your grace not to earn anything but because of what you have already done help us Lord help us Lord shake us Lord into a place of freedom help us to be honest with one another we pray bring in genuine discipleship where it's lacking that we would really understand what it means to follow Jesus as a response to what he has done. Let the grace of God permeate hearts. I pray for those that have been adding stuff to Jesus to try and earn your favor. Lord, let that drop away and instead let them do it out of a delight because they have your favor. I pray for those who've been giving or serving out of duty. Let them stop from that motive and give and serve because of delight, because of what you have done. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. That's new every morning. I pray for those that are under a yoke of condemnation, the slavery of trying to please you. Let them breathe in the air of knowing that they are that you are pleased with them because they're in Christ. When Jesus went into the waters of baptism, he came out and the Father said, This is my beloved Son. With him I'm well pleased. And the Bible says, You are in Christ. So you were there in that moment. He is well pleased with you. You're a child of God. Thank you, God, for the pleasure that you have over each one of us. Now let us live up to it. Let us live as temples of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.